Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is May the 12th. It is 2017. uh, And it has been one hell of a week in Washington. Um, Immigration not dominating the news this week. Certainly other issues have been. But that's not to say that there haven't been immigration stories out there. And I want to take a hard look at them, uh, share with you a couple of my thoughts about the uh, issue of uh, former FBI Director Comey being handed his hat, uh, the media reaction to it, the Democrat Party reaction to it. So um, let's get started. But first of all, to those of you who are not familiar with me, perhaps you're new to the program, and if you are, I welcome you. I see the numbers of uh, people listening to the podcast, listening to my program have been growing, and I find that very encouraging. Because ever since the terror attacks of 9-11, I have um, taken on a mission. My mission, if you will, has been to share my experiences, um, the insights that I acquired with my 30-year career or during my 30-year career with the former Immigration and Naturalization Service. For decades, immigration has been portrayed and is still portrayed by the open borders immigration anarchists as a relatively minor issue. Nothing to see here, folks. Just poor people coming here to do the work lazy and stupid Americans won't do. So give them a break, step aside, and let the games begin. That, that's what's been happening. And along the way, we found that terrorists repeatedly have been able to easily enter the United States. Uh, most of those individuals, by the way, entering not by running our borders for the most part, by entering through international airports, something the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, made due notice of, entering with visas, claiming political asylum, claiming to be um, um, people that they weren't. We've had people come here on student visas and go missing. The country is leaking like a sieve, as the saying goes. And that's not to criticize legal immigrants, although that system lacks integrity, What we need to not lose sight of, and this is the saddest and most unfortunate part of this whole debate, is that by not drawing that clear distinction, and believe me, there is a clear distinction to be drawn between lawful immigrants and illegal aliens, and lawful temporary non-immigrant visitors and illegal aliens. Big difference. You know, I, I like to say that the difference between an immigrant and an illegal alien is comparable to the difference between a house guest and a burglar. So what we've wind up happening is that um, lawful immigrants have been vilified. People hear the word immigrant, and immediately they presume we're talking about a foreign national 
who one way or the other entered the United States illegally. And that's not fair to the million or so lawful immigrants we admit every year. That's not fair to the hundreds of thousands of new citizens we naturalize every year. That's not fair to the tens of millions of non-immigrants who come to America as tourists, as foreign students, as uh, people on temporary work visas and so forth, and then do exactly what they're supposed to do. They enjoy what America has to offer, and it is a singular country, notwithstanding the lunacy of, of that fringe group out there that don't like the sight of the American flag. I'd, I'd like to know what country's flag they'd like to see better than the American flag. Uh, the folks that want to vilify this country. For all the mistakes America has made, it has righted so many of those errors. And I will tell you, I will put America's track record up against any other country on the planet because it's my belief, it's my belief that America stands out as a shining example for all other countries. Not a perfect country. But then people aren't perfect either, are we? But America certainly goes to great pains, great lengths to rectify past mistakes. Show me where that's happening around the world. So, um, you know, and there are so many people who come here because they love this country. Even if they're tourists, they want to see America. They want to see what we've achieved and who we are and share with us our great diversity of music and food and culture. You know, America is, is truly a melting pot. We are probably the most ethnically diverse country on the planet, but that still isn't good enough for the immigration anarchists. And along the way, because of those failures of the immigration system, and, and I will tell you that in my judgment, they were designed to fail. Um, absolutely, the, the globalists want our country to lose its borders, to lose its sovereignty, because those borders are an impediment to wealth. The wealth of the privileged elite at the tippy-tippy top of the economic pyramid. Not even the one percenters, but the tiny fraction of the one percenters who are literally figuratively making out like bandits. Um, and, and by doing this, we've allowed terrorists to gain access. We've allowed transnational gangs to gain access to America. We've allowed narcotics to flow freely in America. Uh, we keep hearing about the opioid epidemic. Well, it starts with prescription drugs, perhaps, in many cases. But then the people addicted to the opiates move on to heroin. And no one's talking, or very few people are talking, about how that heroin is coming into this country. And it's not just coming across the Mexican border. It's coming in through our seaports. It's coming in across the Canadian border. It's coming in on air in airplanes, landing at airports all over the United States. We're being flooded. <clears throat> but a lot of it is, of course, coming across the Mexican border. That is absolutely a, a problem. Um, not just the Mexican border, the fact that we have porous borders, um, no border security. And these are issues that the current administration, finally, first, first administration in perhaps generations, willing to talk about it and willing to act on it. And this is why I believe that Donald Trump is meeting so much resistance. Yes, sometimes he's a, a bit of a blunt instrument. I'm not going to deny that. But this was the guy who said, let's secure the borders. Let's make certain that we don't only bring jobs to America, but let's make certain that American hands do those jobs. And when you look at the testimony of people like Alan Greenspan, who testified at the behest of um, uh, Chuck Schumer and the Democrats, 
referred to American high-tech workers as the privileged elite earning a wage premium because they're being shielded from foreign competition. And we need to change the immigration laws so that Americans should have to compete with foreign workers. And we can do this by increasing H-1B visas. And then he claimed if we could do this, then we could reduce that wage premium being paid to these folks and thereby reduce wage inequality between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. You would have thought that so outrageous a statement would have made headlines all over the United States, and it didn't even get coverage. He made those statements under oath at a hearing for Chuck Schumer on April 30th, 2009, when he testified before the, House, uh, before the Senate Immigration Subcommittee. And he's written other articles since then not being covered in the mainstream media because they are on board with that narrative, with that agenda. And that's why I have been doing everything possible to wake up our fellow Americans. And by the way, most of the Republicans stand lockstep with this guy. They're shoulder to shoulder with them on it. You know, think of the gang of eight, the eight gangsters, both parties trying to ram comprehensive reform down our throats. For what purpose? For the purpose of cheap labor, more voters, gerrymandering districts by flooding America with more people who will likely live in the Democrat stronghold, so more seats get um, apportioned to those strongholds in the House, more votes in the Electoral College. This nonsense started with Jimmy Carter when he ordered immigration agents to not make arrests during the census so that the illegal aliens could be counted. Americans don't count, but let's make sure that the illegal aliens are counted. Turning America's welcome mat into a doormat. And then, of course, we hear this false narrative. We're a nation of immigrants, of course, because we won't call illegal aliens illegal aliens, but call them immigrants. We're a nation of immigrants. And if you dare say that any quote-unquote immigrant should be thrown out of the country, whether they've committed murder run over a child like that that six-year-old boy, and it breaks my heart to see those images by that absolute dirtbag, that scum um, who had been deported 15 times before and drives drunk and plows into a family car. But that's okay, according to the open borders folks, the pro-amnesty folks, the sanctuary cities advocates. So what if Americans are killed? We have a bigger mission. Flood America with people from around the world And if Americans get injured, if Americans get killed, it's collateral damage. So be it. If this isn't a betrayal of America and Americans, if this isn't a betrayal of our ethnic immigrant communities where most of the illegal alien thugs live and ply their trade, and not just from Latin America, but from all over the world, from Russia, from Asia, from Europe, from Africa, from the Caribbean, from the Middle East, it doesn't matter. You know, human nature is human nature. As an immigration agent, I've arrested people from all over the world. Every race, every religion, every ethnicity has the good, the bad, and the ugly. And God forbid you should be an advocate for keeping out the bad and the ugly. And it doesn't get any uglier than with too many of our politicians today. It's outrageous, and we as Americans need to stand up to them, but first we need to be made aware of the facts. And that is what I've been engaged in doing ever since those ashes landed on my home on September 11, 2001. I write for a number of websites. I write for capsweb.org, Californians for Population Stabilization. 
just wrote an article for them, in fact, uh, at the end of last month about this uh, organization being formed by the Trump administration called Voice, Victims of Immigration Crimes um, Engagement. I don't have the notes in front of me. But the idea that to make the priority, not the criminal alien who rapes and kills and runs people over, but the victims of those thugs, irrespective of their nationality. Because many times, people injured, killed, assaulted, attacked, are in fact immigrants themselves. But again, it, it doesn't matter. These are innocent victims, whether you're an American citizen or not. Of course, it's more egregious in our mind because, you know, we're thinking our government should be looking out for us. But for decades, the government couldn't care less about Americans, couldn't care less about what's moral or right. If you wonder why people feel such hostility towards government, why they wanted to vote for Donald Trump, an outsider, because they looked on the inside and what they saw was rot, rotten to the core. And so politicians are getting what they deserve. People turning on them and saying, we've had enough of you. We've had enough of your criminal activities that you've gotten away with, selling out Americans, selling out our safety, selling out our lives, selling out the future of our children, getting kids to go to colleges, the, 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 those, more, those payments, the student loans look more like mortgage payments, and then they can't find work when they get out of college because it's much cheaper to hire somebody from India or elsewhere. This has all been manipulated, massaged, and created by the politicians from both sides of the aisle. And so I've been writing about this for, for capsweb.org, for frontpagemag.com. That's Front Page Magazine. Um, it is a product of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. I'm proud to be a columnist for them. And I also write for The Social Contract. And in fact, I recently wrote two articles for The Social Contract. It's in their spring 2017 edition. I have the two lead articles. I'm very proud of it. One article about the uh, issue of immigration fraud, I called them the lies that killed, and, and the subtitle uh, addressed the fact that the 9-11 Commission, in fact, found that immigration fraud was the chief embedding tactic of the terrorists. Uh, I also wrote another article for them about how any notion of comprehensive immigration reform or immigration reform, not comprehensive, but immigration reform, first and foremost, should not undermine national security or public safety and take into account the best interests of America and Americans. What a novel thought. You know, as an immigration agent, and, and prior to becoming an agent, I was an inspector for four years, and for one of those four years, I acted as an adjudications officer doing the marriage interviews. And what struck me throughout my career, that all too much of what we did was for show and not for, for fact. The idea that you inspect passengers, you get about a minute to inspect them, and they're on their merry way, and if they overstay, there was nobody to look for them. And I've often said that we need to change the way we conduct inspections at ports of entry. And, of course, 9-11 gave us an even greater incentive to want to change it. But just looking at the overstay rates, it's believed that about a half million non-immigrants who come supposedly temporarily never leave. Well, that's a lot of people. In fact, it's nearly, it's believed to be nearly as many as, as the number of people who enter the United States by running our borders. And the people who run our borders, for clarity, are not entering undocumented. They are entering uninspected. They are entering uninspected, unvetted. There's no record of their presence in our country. We have no idea who they are. 
And I'm writing an article today, and I, and I hope Front Page will publish it during the coming week. But, you know, we keep hearing these statistics. I know Fair just did a, a study about how many illegals are here, how many legals are here, and so forth. And the numbers are skyrocketing. Uh, we've never had more foreign nationals living in America than we do today. I mean, it's just off the charts. But bad as it is, I think it's actually worse. Uh, case in point, we keep hearing there's about 11 or 12 million illegal aliens in the United States. Well, back in 2007, 10 years ago, the Congressional Budget Office estimated there were 12 million illegal aliens here. Ronald Reagan's amnesty of 86, it was disastrous. I'm an equal opportunity uh, insulter. I'm angry at both parties for what they've done to us. Reagan's amnesty was supposed to take care of a million aliens. It wound up taking care of more than three and a half, maybe four million. How did that happen? Well, we don't know who's here. And when I see these numbers about the percentage of aliens who are in the prisons, what you need to understand, and nobody talks about this, because I will tell you something, that when you watch television, and this is really important, I want you to develop a critical eye. Look who comes on the shows and talks about the issues. If there's a program on about the military, they'll bring in retired generals, Navy SEALs, admirals, whatever. If there's a report about a murder, in come the parade of the retired homicide detectives. If there's a kidnapping, well, here come the former FBI profilers. If it's about NASA and a space probe, out come the scientists and the retired astronauts. But when the story is immigration, when was the last time you saw a former immigration agent on television? Not even Border Patrol, Interior Enforcement. You know, after 9-11, I was averaging 15 television interviews per month. ABC, MSNBC, uh, CNN, Fox News. You don't see former agents on any of those programs. It doesn't have to be me. Really, it doesn't. I don't care. Bring somebody on who has experience, who knows the job. They're not doing it. Do you think it's impossible to find retired immigration agents? Of course not. But there is a reason that they don't do it, because they don't want you to understand the magnitude of the problem and how it really impacts us. For example, you watch these folks sitting on the camera, in front of the cameras, and they'll say, well, if an alien has been living here for seven years and he's been minding his own business, and he's, you know, of course we should give that person lawful status. What they don't ever tell you is how they would find out how long an illegal alien has actually been living in the United States. If we were to legalize all the illegal aliens who are here, you're not looking at 11 or 12 million. And even with that number, forget about the idea of doing any interviews or any field investigations. But you could be looking at 20, 30, 40 million. We have no idea. Reagan gave us a million that quickly became almost 4 million. If you do the math, this could, this could, be to, could lead to a 30 to 40 million uh, human catastrophe with people just in numbers you can't even begin to comprehend. People who aren't here yet will come and claim they've been here the requisite period of time. Who's going to know differently? The adjudications officers will be tasked with moving the applications as fast as they can. Now, something else nobody talks about on TV, and I will tell you this. I was an adjudicator for a year. I've spoken to many adjudicators who've done the jobs over the years, even after I went on to become an agent. What you don't know and what you don't hear on television is that it takes minutes, just minutes, to approve an application. All the questions are answered, whatever pieces of paper are there. The, the um, fee has been collected. 
the paperwork has been signed, and they take that old approval stamp out, and they smack it on the paper, and they staple the stuff together, and they ship it off. Boom. Next case. This is Lucy at the Bonbon Factory. If an adjudicator, however, says, you know, I'm not sure if I'm getting honest answers out of this person. I need to get an investigation done. Believe me, it'll be hard getting an agent to do the investigation. So after a while, the boss is saying, you know, you got a backlog. Well, okay, I'm not happy with it, but I'll, I'll approve it. Boom. So understand the point. You can approve an application in minutes. It can take you days or weeks to deny an application. And if you have to move a backlog and get rid of the overflow, the fastest, most expeditious way of doing it is to approve the applications. What happens to quality control? There is none. The Dreamers had an approval rate last time I looked at the stats of over 95%. How closely do you think those applications are being scrutinized? And by the way, over the past couple of weeks, there's been a massive operation to go out and look for gang members, both U.S. citizens and illegal aliens by ICE. And a bunch of the people arrested were the so-called Dreamers. How did that happen? I wonder. There is very, very, very little integrity to the entire process. So that's something that nobody's talking about. But here's something else nobody's talking about. If you legalize an alien, that alien on the very same day has an absolute right. Nothing to question here, folks. You've given him the keys to the kingdom. That alien can then file petitions for his or her spouse, his or her minor children, all of them. And when you're talking about third world countries, typically those families are huge. It is not unusual for a family in those countries to have six, seven, eight, nine children. So what happens if on average, because some people have no kids or one or two, but on balance, let's say it averages out to five kids per family and you legalize 40 million people. And now they bring five kids in. Where does that bring us? How would we cope? What would happen to our schools? What would happen to hospitals? Try to get a seat on the local bus. See what happens when there's no water coming out of your tap if you're living through a drought. Or if there's so many people that it's hard to crank out enough electricity for everyone. For all the talk about sustainability, going green, does anyone have any idea as to what the impact on America would be if suddenly we had tens of millions of kids flooding into America legally? Being enrolled in the schools, there'd be no time to screen or vet them either. You'd wind up with gang members. You know, among the unaccompanied minors that flowed across the border, thanks to Mr. Obama, we had a major influx of gang members. We had kids coming into the country with dangerous diseases. They had never been inoculated. So you look at the catastrophe this would create. Now I want to ask you, have you ever heard anybody on any television program talking about this? I'm not being xenophobic. I'm being a realist. I dealt with these issues for 30 years. I didn't just dream this up. I saw it with my own eyes. I experienced it every day when I went on duty. Why in the world would they not want to talk about it on TV? Well, it's easy because they are of the same mindset as the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the banks and the American Immigration Lawyers Association and LULAC and the various unions that don't care about the workers who pay them the dues. They just want more people working who will pay them dues and join the union so they have more members, which gives them more leverage. 
So the unions are thrilled. SEIU, that's not a union. That's a political organization, and they're looking for political power. And if they can enroll more members, they get more leverage, and more members pay more dues, so they get more money. Many chapters of AFL-CIO, no difference. This would be catastrophic for America, not because these people are foreigners, but we can't deal with the influx, and I don't care where these folks are coming from. Our schools are stretched to the breaking point. I've read studies that say that, you know, one in four kids right now lives in a household. These are the kids that are attending school where English is not the primary language if it's spoken at all. So when you see what a lousy job the schools are doing, ask yourself, is it possible that maybe the teachers, some of them at least, half of them, whatever percentage, are working their hearts out? but they're coping with kids who can't speak, read, or write English? How do you teach a child like that? Where do the resources go? What happened to American kids with special needs, kids with autism and other learning disabilities, when the budget has to be spent on English as a second language? Understand how catastrophic this would be, and understand the lies that we've been told. And my article about immigration fraud for the social contract not only looked at the fraud committed by the aliens, passport fraud, birth certificate fraud, uh, people getting married, but they don't live together. Yeah, we talked about that in my article. 20 pages long. It's really an encyclopedia, if you will. A very short encyclopedia, but a very long article that also looked at the lies being told by the politicians. And look how successful this campaign of lie has been. Um, If you go back to May Day, the demonstrations. In some cases, instead of calling the May Day demonstrations, they came to call the Mayhem demonstrations. Yes, you had anarchists. Yes, you had some illegal aliens who were emboldened. But I assure you there were some decent people in those demonstrations who thought they were being compassionate. I have neighbors that I speak to, and they've really been drinking the Kool-Aid, maybe fewer now than in years past, but you'd be amazed at how many people still think that if you're, if you're an advocate for immigration enforcement, you're xenophobic and racist. They have no idea about the numbers. They have no idea about the impact. They've been you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, reading the headlines, listening to the non-news programs. These are non-news news programs that are being broadcast on the networks. Nobody wants to talk about the issues. Nobody wants to talk about the implications of legalizing 30 or 40 million illegal aliens with no interviews, no field investigations, and the fact that they could then immediately bring all their kids here. When was the last time you heard that issue portrayed that way? Just ask, you, ask that question of yourself. It's never discussed that way. The news media refers to people like myself, people who are pro-enforcement, We're not called pro-enforcement. We're referred to as anti-immigrant. The people that want no borders, no deportation, no enforcement, sanctuary cities, this is anarchy. But, of course, they're called pro-immigrant. And we're a nation of immigrants, so they are the heroes, and I'm the bad guy. Why am I a bad guy? Because I say, let's enforce the laws. And, by the way, by enforcing the laws, you're not going to be keeping people from entering legally but we need to make certain that we don't bring in more workers than the number of new jobs we're creating, which has been the case. 
you make certain that you don't wind up with Americans who've been working loyally and very proficiently for American corporations and get fired so that some guy from India can take their job and they then have to train that individual if they want their severance package. So does that make me anti-immigrant or pro-American? Does that make me pro-enforcement? We have limited resources, limited jobs, limited water, limited electricity. You can't oversell the country. And, and we've seen it with the airlines, and you see how ugly that gets, right? They're selling more tickets in the number of seats, figuring that people aren't going to show up. And how much chaos have we seen in the airlines? That same principle of overselling the country has been going on for decades. And what's the result? Well, the result is that jobs have been lost and wages have been suppressed. And in fact, Mr. Greenspan, at that same hearing that I just mentioned before Schumer, also addressed the issue of illegal aliens working on the bottom rung jobs. And he had the chutzpah, as we say in Brooklyn, to say, well, it only minimally suppresses the wages. And yeah, the cities and states get stuck paying all this extra money for the services. But on balance, this is good for the economy. No, it's not. No, it's not. And then he said, well, it suppresses wages, but only minimally. Think about this. If you are making minimum wage or a little more than minimum wage, a little bit of wage suppression, right, or wage reduction can be the difference between a family having an apartment to sleep in and a family winding up homeless. They live on a razor-thin margin. And if you just take a couple of dollars a week out of their pocket, they're gone. They're homeless. Costs us more. It's traumatic for the kids. There have been studies done where kids living in poverty functionally lose, I think the, the number was 13 IQ points was the equivalent, the impact of poverty, stress, and anxiety. And we're doing this willfully to our own people. And who's getting hammered the worst? our most vulnerable citizens. And generally, who's that? Kids living in poverty in the black and Latino communities. And yet, if you dare say, let's enforce the immigration law, out comes the accusations. Well, you're a racist. You're a bigot. They talk about Latino voters. Uh, Latinos are no different from any other voter. That's racism. That's profiling and it's bigotry. I don't care what your last name is or your skin color or your religion. If you're a rational American, you want the same things. You want the military to keep us safe from our enemy. You want law enforcement to keep the thugs off the streets so that we're safe. You want the schools to educate our kids. And we want to know that anybody willing to work hard and study hard and perhaps benefit from a little bit of good luck thrown in can write the next success story. But that goes against this false narrative. So you have these demonstrators out there. And I discussed this last week, but but I have to mention it because on May 4th, Front Page Mag published my article, and I think you're going to like the title if you haven't seen it already. And by the way, if you like my show, if you like the articles I write, if you like the videos I post, please forward the information to as many folks as you can. Be part of my bucket brigade of truth. Use social media. However you communicate, do it. We need to wake up as many people as possible so they can apply pressure on their elected representatives and tell them to stop the nonsense. Stop the destruction of the American dream for Americans. You look at the poverty in the black communities. You look at the riots that we've seen. How many of those kids feel hopeless? 
how many of them are easy to manipulate because they feel hopeless and scared. Poverty is not good. As an agent, I spent I don't know how many hours every week in some truly horrific neighborhoods. Walk into buildings where rats are running through the hallway, where you could smell urine and feces in the hallway, where you know there's gun battles every other night. I mean, this is not good. This is not the way America should be. And when people say, well, you know, you're not being fair to the minorities. No, the crimes aren't being fair. The drug dealing, you finally have Jeff Sessions talking about putting people away when they're violent drug dealers. You need to. Let's look out for the the poor folks that are getting caught up in the violence and the poverty and the hopelessness. This is America. And there's never been a wider gap between the haves and have-nots than we're experiencing now because of the globalists who've been running this country for too damn long. And look how stupid we are, and look how the, the newspapers account for this nonsense. My article, and here's the title, Useful Idiots, American Workers Protesting Trump's Immigration Policies, and then the subtitle, Demonstrating Against One's Own Interests. So you had all these protesters out there, not only were they calling for better wages and wages and working conditions, which is fine, that's cool, that's cool, you know, but they said, no. You've got to stop Trump from enforcing the immigration laws. Well, if those schmucks did their homework, they would know that the immigration laws used to be enacted by the Labor Department, that those laws initially were enacted to protect American workers and their jobs. If you flood America with labor, dump foreign labor, in effect, then you're going to drive down wages. You know, if you do it with any other commodity, it's called dumping. And sometimes the unscrupulous have done that, dump a commodity in a market to drive its wage down artificially. That's what's happening with labor. By opening up the borders to this human tsunami, they've dumped labor into the labor pool, driving down the wages. And if you allow the third world unfettered access to the labor market in the United States, ultimately the prevailing wages and working conditions in America will emulate the third world. Essentially, that's how you turn America into a third world country. And if you dare say that, you're a terrible person. But that's exactly what is happening, folks. And if you look at the earnings statements from all the department stores, nobody's spending money. How do you spend money when your wages aren't really going up and people are still scared to death of losing their jobs? So they're saving, on, they're saving every nickel they can grab because they don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. If you don't think this throws ice water on the U.S. economy, you're delusional. Now, there's a visa program, and I know you've all probably heard about the H-1B visa. That's the high-tech visa, and I was just talking about that, about Greenspan doing the dirty work for Bill Gates at Microsoft. But there's another visa, the H-2B visa program. And the H-2B visa, get the words out, the H-2B visa program. Goodness gracious. Sometimes my tongue doesn't keep up with my thoughts. The H-2B visa program is for the less skilled workers. So we're talking about waiters and waitresses, uh, perhaps chefs, perhaps um, people doing uh, other jobs and offices, not highly skilled. But skilled, but, but, you know, semi-skilled work, non-agricultural work, non-agricultural work. So now there was an article that appeared in the, oh, my goodness, I'm looking for where this actually appeared. 
This is the Bangor Daily News report, and here's the title. Amid foreign worker shortage, Bar Harbor business turned to local labor. And the tone of the article is these poor business owners, they're, they're, really, they're having a problem. They're, they're really upset because here's what they have to do now. Are you ready? Fasten your seatbelts. Make sure that the seat in front of you is, is upright, the tray is out of the way. Here we go. Hang on to your seatbelt. Hang on to your armrests. Race for impact. They may have to hire Americans. Did you hear that? They may have to hire Americans living in the community, and they are beside themselves. Why the hell do we have to hire Americans? We have those wonderful foreign workers, and now we have to hire Americans. And to boot, they're going to expect us to pay them some more money. Oh, my gosh. What are we going to do? Now, understand what we're talking about. The law says this. This is right on the website. I will quote. These are the conditions, these three factors, okay? It's on the Citizenship Immigration Service website because they run this program, USCIS. Here's the three elements. Number one, there are not enough U.S. workers who are able, willing, qualified, and available to do the temporary work. It's only temporary work now. So you don't have Americans, you can hire foreign workers. But now there's another condition. Employing H-2B workers will not adversely affect the wages and working conditions of similarly employed U.S. workers. Okay? Now think about that. And the next and final one, it's need for the prospective worker service or labor is temporary, regardless of whether the underlying job can be described as temporary. So they need workers around the, around the year, but they're only going to hire these people to work for six months, and then they have to go home or whatever the period of time is. So here's the point. The law says you can't hire foreign workers if you have available Americans and you can't use the program to suppress wages. So the news report comes out that now they're going to have to pay more money and hire Americans. It flies in the face of the law that was written to protect the jobs of Americans. And the tone of the article up there in Bar Harbor was, look at what Trump did. These wonderful, terrific, hardworking, conscientious foreign workers having a hell of a time coming here. So now they've got to hire Americans. That's a complaint, folks. That's a complaint. And I really believe that those companies that are bitching about this need to be boycotted. This is a how dare you moment. This is a how dare you moment. We are always being told what the aliens want. They want citizenship. They want green cards. They want to bring their families here. They want, they want, they want. And who can blame them? Because our politicians run like the wind to grab them up because they know they will work for cheap wages. They know they can get Americans fired so they can satisfy their owners. These politicians are owned by the people writing their campaign contributions. So they're delivering what they're being paid to deliver. Cheap foreign labor. Screw the Americans. Screw the American families. The hell with the kids who are living in poverty. The hell with the Americans who are losing their houses to foreclosure because they can't pay the mortgage. So let's bring in foreign workers who can actually live in those houses. Oh, and by the way, Alan Greenspan actually recommended that when he testified for Chuck Schumer on April the 30th, 2009, that there is a glut of 
houses on the market, let's bring in foreigners to live in the houses. Unbelievable. Where was the news to report that? Nowhere. Nowhere. There has never been a more colossal betrayal of Americans by their own government than we've witnessed in this immigration issue. And where is the media? Nowhere to be found. Quick to label people like me, people who say let's enforce the laws, as being anti-immigrant when nothing could be further from the truth. Our government spends over $14 billion a year for CBP, Customs and Border Protection. And what's their mission? The mission of Customs and Border Protection is to run the Border Patrol, to try to keep people from evading the inspections process, entering without inspection. That includes cargo as well as people. And the inspectors at ports of entry who are supposed to screen the people coming into the country. So when you have sanctuary cities that say to these people, we don't care if you run the border. We don't care if you stow away on a ship. We don't care if you run the the Canadian or the Mexican border. We don't care if you violate our laws. We want you. And in fact, there are places around the country, New York, California, where we're going to pay for your legal fees, even when you break the law, even though the law says they're not supposed to. We're going to take money out of our economy money that we could have used to help American kids with learning disabilities or help Americans who maybe lost their jobs because their employers screwed them over and brought in foreign workers. So that money that might be used for that maybe could be used for infrastructure, maybe modernize some classrooms. We don't need to do that. We're going to hire lawyers, especially if you broke the law, because you're the people we want more than anybody, the law violators. You know, during one of my very first appearances before Congress, and I've testified before a whole bunch of hearings in the House and Senate, I've lost count. I think we're up to 17 17 hearings. It it staggers me sometimes. I remember one day I did two hearings for two different subcommittees in one day. But what what, what staggers my mind is that if, if you listen to the politicians at the hearings, They went from the very beginning where they they agreed that immigration and terrorism had a clear nexus, and within three years, the jingle had changed. Immigration has nothing to do with terrorism. The narrative keeps changing. The goals keep changing. And you have to wonder who got to these people and how much money did it take. There's no other rational explanation. And, I, I mean, these folks in politics are a breed unto themselves. You look at the firing of Comey, and and I have to tell you, I was a federal agent. There's a mythology here that, again, not being discussed, I I believe, the way it should be, perhaps. What most people don't know is when people violate federal law, there's no guarantee that they're going to be prosecuted. The way it works, an agent doing an investigation, let's say if I did an investigation, found somebody who was deported, came back illegally, um, then I go to the U.S. Attorney's Office, or, or I might go to my prosecution liaison officer to begin with. He calls the U.S. Attorney, and then we speak to someone, a federal prosecutor, whose job is known as intake. And this varies from district to district to district based on locale, workload, resources, and that kind of thing. So what applies in New York might not apply in Michigan, might not apply in Wisconsin, might not apply in Miami. If you, or, and it might vary from district to district. Here in New York, we have two districts, Eastern District of New York 
and that includes Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and Long Island. And then you got the Southern District of New York, and that's Westchester, Manhattan, and the Bronx. So you got two districts, and, and, and the standards can be different even there. But you go to the U.S. attorney, and you go to intake, and they say, what have you got? Well, I got a guy that was deported three times. He has no criminal history, but, you know, it's three times. And they might say to you, well, you know what, Mike, it's, it's a good catch, but no, without a criminal history, we're not interested here. Now, in another district, they might be. The same thing happens with drugs. If you go into some hick town somewhere in the middle of the country and you find somebody with five kilos of heroin, I would imagine the U.S. attorney would be eager to take the case. It would, it would depend again on the district. In New York, maybe not. They might actually suggest that you go see the state prosecutor because they just don't have the time and resources to deal with only, quote, unquote, five kilos of cocaine or maybe five kilos of heroin. I don't know what the numbers are these days. I've, I've been that far removed for, for a couple of, well, it's almost 20 years, hard to believe. My, my last day at work was about 18 or 19 years ago. But depending on workload, they make these prosecutorial decisions. You know, do we take the case? Don't we take the case? But the call is not the agent or his agency. The call is made by the U.S. attorney. Now, why am I telling you this? Because when James Comey stood before the cameras and talked about Hillary Clinton's email and laid out what sounded to me like a summation for a grand jury or a pettit jury, all the things she had done wrong, and then even saying that other people might face consequences, but he didn't believe that this was a prosecutable case. He usurped the U.S. attorney's authority at that point, or the attorney general more properly in this case, because of the level we're operating. FBI does not decide what cases get prosecuted. That is the job of the prosecutor, not the FBI. That was disturbing. There were other factors that were disturbing. And many people were angry. And Hillary Clinton came out and said, it's because of Comey that I lost the presidency. And Democrats said, fire him, fire him, fire him. And I'm sure you know the story by now. And as soon as Donald Trump said, okay, you're fired. What did he do? Why did they fire him? Suddenly the guy became a saint. Now, what's amazing to me, these politicians, dumb as many of them are, I, I swear some of these people I don't think could get a real job. This is like an alternative to unemployment for them, some of them. Some are very good and bright. Some of them, mm, well, I guess this is representative democracy. God knows. But they have to know there's videotapes of them making these strong statements about firing Comey. And now they're coming out saying what? Why did you fire him? How dare you? We need a special prosecutor because you fired him. Picture Donald Trump. And I don't agree with everything he does. But goodness gracious. As soon as he did what they said he should do, they screamed. The hypocrisy blows my mind. These people are experts in hypocrisy. Mayor de Blasio in New York was ranting and raving not long ago because he was upset that the New York City Police Department was not providing information to the housing authority here in New York City where public housing is concerned about criminals, gangbangers, and drug dealers living in public housing. Because under the law, if you're a criminal, if you're a convicted felon, if you're a gang member, if you're a drug dealer, you are supposed to be evicted from public housing. You're not supposed to get an apartment in public housing. So here is Mayor de Blasio saying they need to let us know, and he wants to streamline the process. This shouldn't take months. 
We should be able to move a gangbanger out of public housing in a matter of weeks. Hey, I got no problem with that. If you're a threat, I don't want to live in the same building with you. Yet, this is a sanctuary city where Mr. de Blasio will block information from being transmitted to immigration, criminal aliens who are here in New York City. So what's the message? We don't want people dying in public housing, but if they're killed on the sidewalk, it's okay. You know, the hypocrisy, the duplicitous conduct. Chuck Schumer, who said that we have to make trespassing on infrastructure and and landmarks a a felony under federal law, five-year felony, 2014. It's on his website. I'm not making this up. But yet in Schumer's world, if you trespass on America, you've earned the path to citizenship. The hypocrisy, the double standard, the disconnect, it goes on and on and on. So here's the question that I also want to raise, and I'm going to be writing an article about it, and I started mentioning this earlier. We're told how many people sitting in jail right now are foreign-born. Now, here's my question, and the analysts don't understand this because they never did the job. They just you know, sit there with their charts and their graphs, and they put these fancy things together. They're very impressive. It's really wonderful. You know, PowerPoint is a great thing, and spreadsheets, it looks very impressive. How do you know where an illegal alien was born if the alien claims to be a United States citizen? Many Americans have never been fingerprinted. If you've never been arrested and you never had a security clearance, you've probably not been fingerprinted. So if some illegal alien sitting in jail says, I was born in Puerto Rico, and in reality, that guy or that gal was born in the Dominican Republic or Colombia or Ecuador, But the prison authorities have no inclination to enforce immigration law anyway. How much easier is it to say, yep, Puerto Rico, that's where the person was born. And and for members of Congress, if you're listening to my show, I know this is going to come as a huge shock. Puerto Rico's part of the United States. It makes them an American citizen. Okay, so they put down Puerto Rico. When I went to Border Patrol Academy, which is where all immigration enforcement personnel went when I hired on in 1971, We spent an awful lot of time learning how to break false claims to U.S. citizenship, specifically places like Puerto Rico. We learned about geography and certain words, certain phrases, certain idioms that are simply used or or solely used in Puerto Rico, not elsewhere. Because it was not unusual to have illegal aliens claim to be Americans. I could tell you some very funny stories about that. You have people from Jamaica, Trinidad wherever, claiming to have been born in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Their accent is very, very similar. So if the guy says, I was born in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and the guy was really born in Kingston, Jamaica, but no one challenges it, and they put down the U.S. Virgin Islands, then statistically, that person is an American, even though it's a lie. Bad guys lie. I know this is a news bulletin. I can't imagine anything like this could happen, but believe it or not, People who violate the law lie. You know, think about that. Think about how common it is for people to lie. They lie about their names when they're criminals. They lie about anything and everything. Some of these people become pathological. They almost sound like politicians. They wouldn't know the truth if it bit them on the nose. That's why you fingerprint people when you arrest them. Because they may lie about who they are. I mean, I remember arresting people. And then you look at the rap sheet, and they have 12 different names, 15 different names. 
I used to tell a joke that the difference between a good guy and a bad guy, the good guy gets up in the morning, he goes to his drawers, and he decides what he wants to wear. The bad guy goes through his stuff to try to figure out who he wants to be. This is not unusual. So when we're told how many people in jail are illegal aliens, no one is adding the extra factor of how are we determining the country of birth for criminals, especially in sanctuary cities, where the best thing they could do is to to believe the lie. Oh, the guy was from Puerto Rico. Yeah, put it down, Charlie. He's Puerto Rican. We don't have to worry about him. And believe me, it's happening. The true number of criminal aliens in the United States, it might be much, much higher. And you know, there's a funny thing that happens when people lie about stuff like that and they get away with it, they tell their friends. And then their friends tell their friends. So it becomes an open joke. You get one opportunity for first impression. That's what I said at my first hearing. The immigration laws generally are the first laws that aliens dealing with the United States encounter. The immigration laws. And we now have the world convinced that, number one, we're stupid. Number two, we are lawless. And number three, welcome to anarchy. Because in America, not only will we let you violate the laws, we can't wait to reward you. Free lawyers, we'll put you in in, in housing. We'll, We'll do whatever we can. We'll help you out. Just come one, come all. It's like the sideshow in the circus. Except people are dying because of the gangs. The drugs are pouring into the country. Americans are losing their jobs. Our schools are overcrowded. And no one's saying stop immigration. We have the most generous immigration policies in the entire world. We admit more lawful immigrants than the rest of the world combined. But for the immigration anarchists, it's just not enough. It won't be enough until the population of the United States exceeds a billion, or maybe two billion, or maybe three billion. What the heck? Why stop now? Why stop now? The lifeboat is overflowing with people. It's about to capsize, but what the hey? As long as the campaign contributions keep rolling in from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and all those other wonderful organizations, some wonderful, then all's right in their world. And we the people are paying the price. So when when you look at those people demonstrating, ask yourself, how many have been hoodwinked? If you really want to look at the fraud that the aliens commit and the politicians commit, go to the social contract, read my article. You want to see what the president is trying to do to help the victims of criminal aliens, then go to capsweb.org, go to Front Page Magazine. If you like what you're reading, please forward it. Please let your friends know. Use social media. Do it any way you want. I don't care. Let's get the word out there. Please be a part of my bucket brigade of truth. But if this stuff really disturbs you, and it should, if you're a parent, it should absolutely disturb you. Because now we're not just talking about our future, folks. We're talking about our children's future. We're talking about their children's future. And let's have a little guts. This isn't xenophobia. I'm not singling out one flavor over the other. This is simply about making one distinction, the distinction between citizens and aliens, immigrants and illegal aliens. We're a country of law for a good reason. Without law, you have chaos and anarchy. And these laws are eminently fair. 
They have nothing to do with race, nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with ethnicity. It's about keeping out criminals, terrorists, spies, human rights violators, um, people who uh, would take Americans' jobs. That's what it's about. Without consideration as to race, religion, or ethnicity. What in the world could be more fair? I hope my program is helpful to you. I hope you find the information worthwhile. I hope you'll join me again next week. But uh, meanwhile, I want you to remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. If what you've learned on my program or learned through my articles uh, causes you to feel that something needs to be done, then I ask you to do it. You know, I, I once saw a Red Cross ad that says to the other guy, you are the other guy. And I also want you to remember that history is written by individuals. Everybody and anybody has the opportunity to make that critical difference at a time when it counts. With all that's going on in the world today, this is the time and your efforts are needed. Please remember, democracy certainly is not a spectator sport. See you next week, same time, right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a great weekend, everybody. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.